We're in a series uh, called Bullies in My Brain. And before we get into week two of that, I wanna take a minute and just welcome everybody who's watching online. So grateful that you've joined us, however you may be, wherever you may be listening. Wanna let you know that you can use the chat section, be a part of the sermon that way. Let us know that you're watching. We're grateful that you're doing that. Also, as Cody mentioned, wanna welcome anyone who may be new here for the first time today. You could be a lot of places, but you chose to be here. And again, we're honored by that. And uh, so much so that down the hallway past the coffee bar, uh, we have an information table and our lead team is back there. They'll answer any questions you may have, tell you more about the church and uh, connect with you directly. So we'd love the opportunity to do that as well. But we are in this series called Bullies in My Brain. And uh, I want to pray for this sermon before we jump into it. Um, I just want to just say that last week we talked about um, spiritual warfare. You know, it, it's one thing to say, hey, bullies in my brain, there's things that are coming against us. And we kind of relate those to just psychological and sort of things that we can touch and feel here in life that are affecting us. But there's so much more than just what we see with our natural eye. There is a spiritual warfare out there. Can I get an amen? And, um, and so really, if you missed last week, go back, check out last week. But then these next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about practical items and things that may be bullying us. And um, so this week, before we pray, uh, I'll let you know we're preaching on anxiety. And, uh, and so be, be ready to receive, I believe, all of us to some degree. Um, are pressured with anxiety. Amen. All right, let's pray and we'll jump into it. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful for your word and for your ways. Lord, I ask that you speak to us today. God, we don't want to go through normal and average and routine, but God, we want to experience all your power. Uh, God, we want your Holy Spirit to move in a way that makes us better. I thank you for it in Jesus name. Amen. I'm going to say something really dumb to start this sermon, and um, it's going to make sense and not sense at the same time because it contradicts itself. But here's what I would want to say off the bat. We're talking about anxiety, and I would say this. I would say that there is no one message. You can't come to a church and just hear one message and go like, okay, I heard that message. I heard a couple scriptures. Now I'm good. My anxiety's fixed. I'm totally good to go. There's no one message that can totally solve anxiety in your life. There's so many pieces and layers and things uh, that we need to have in place and put together and surround ourselves with uh, to see the breakthrough and see the freedom in this area of salvation. However, I also believe this, that one word from God can change everything. So in one bro, I'm saying, hey, over here, uh, I'm saying like, hey, there's no such thing as just one solve all sermon. But at the same time, I am also saying, I believe one word from God can change you. So I hope that you hear the truths. I hope that you hear what God lays out today. And I hope that we put those in place. But I also hope that you leave here today. If you're struggling with anxiety, I hope you leave here going, hey, no, at that moment in that time is the place that God set me free from anxiety. Are you with me today? One out of five teenagers in America face, I shared this last week, a debilitating, a crippling, a very traumatic level of anxiety. One out of every five say, I've suffered at some point with some level of anxiety that is beyond anything I could handle or, or, or spend my life with. That's one out of every five teenagers. The number goes uh, of age 18 to 24. Uh, the number goes up to 63% of young people, again, age 18 to 24, say, yeah, that's me. I've experienced either happening or in my lifetime some sort of level that was beyond my ability to handle anxiety, pressure, fear, uh, to the point of panic attack and overwhelming, debilitating type of anxiety. The sad stat on top of that is they say that of those two categories, 25% of those in those two categories, uh, those thoughts have led them to a place of considering suicide. 
25% of 24 years old and under have said, I've had such overwhelming anxiety that it's led me to a place of considering suicide. This is all based on uh, data from the Center for Disease and Control and Prevention. These are real things. These are real issues. And uh, what's unfortunate is nowadays, the solutions to these are even worse than just the categories. You see one of every five teenagers, we see 63% of 18 to 24 year olds and the solutions that are being presented to them, uh, they're running to things that are not healthy for them. Overwhelming anxiety, overwhelming panic, overwhelming things in their life. And so many of them categorically and statistically then run to alcohol. Or many of them say, hey, I don't know what to do with myself. I don't know how to get through this. And so they run to what's become so legalized and normalized. Hey, why don't you just smoke a little weed and take a little edge off it? It's legal now. It's no big deal. You can get it in a gummy bear. Why don't you just take this? Can I tell you something? That any time in your life when you're going through a day and you say, hey, I'm having such a bad day. I have so much anxiety. I have so much fear. I have so much overwhelming stress, whatever it may be. And your thought life goes, I need a substance instead of I need my savior. Then we're in an unhealthy place. Boy, this day is just beating me down. You know what I need tonight is a good stiff drink. Can I tell you something? We all know what you're talking about. No, okay, nobody in here. That's me. Okay, that's me. I'm the... <laughs> I'm the problem. <laughs> but all of a sudden, we've like pitched this whole, like, hey, in, instead of my Savior, yeah. as the scripture says, no, no other things before me. Yeah, right. If you have a great need, then we go to our Savior. And so we're telling a young generation, hey, do you have anxiety? Are you having fear? Are you having a struggle? What you need to do is you need to find a substance. You need to find a, a coping mechanism. You need to get a, are you with me today? And we, we need to understand and we need to point back to, no, we got to stand up to the bullies in our brain, but we got to stand up to them in a way that's healthy and God ordained. And so we, we see alcohol and we see marijuana and we see even higher levels of drug usage. And uh, on top of that, then many of them, uh, they say, hey, uh, they've been sold the lie of, oh, self-harm. That's what's going to alleviate this anxiety. If I just maybe cut or do something else as I feel that pain, then that'll be what takes away the anxiety. And, and now they do more damage. Or statistically, one of the worst things they see is because their self-esteem is low, they run into abusive and toxic relationships because they don't have standards for themselves. How many know what I'm talking about? So we've got to get into a position where we say, hey, we need to deal with anxiety and fear. We need to deal with these bullies in our brain in a way that's healthy. That's not a substitute for what our Savior is called to be in our life. Are you with me? And if you're here today and you say, hey, anxiety is something I deal with. You might even use these words. Anxiety is my story. You say, that's, that's the story of my life is anxiety and fear. If you say anxiety is my story, I'm here to tell you anxiety is not your story. Fear is not your story. Philippians 4, 6 says this, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in, or you could say through Christ Jesus. Now, listen, this passage doesn't say in a harsh way, smack your hand, don't be anxious. You terrible people, look at you out here being anxious. It says it like this way. The context of this is like, don't pick anxiousness. Yeah. 
Don't be anxious. Don't, don't, don't pick that one. It would be as if you had an option of things that you could choose from. And I've experienced them all. Let's say I've experienced them all. And I go to see you reaching for anxiousness. And someone would say, no, 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 no. Don't pick anxiousness. Don't, don't pick that one. Don't be that one. Instead, pick thanksgiving and prayer. Are you understand what I'm talking about? Instead, don't buy into anxiousness. We got so many people right now that you, you meet them and you talk to them and you say, hey, what's going on? Well, you know, I just, I got anxiety. Have you met my anxiety? And we're raising kids in school to be like, hey, anxiety, it's just part of it. You're a teenager. It's just, you know, we all got to go through it. We all just got to do life and we all just got to go through. And so anxiousness and you pet, have you met my baby? This thing called anxiousness. It's just the hour that I'm living in. Are you with me? I said, no, 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 no. Don't pick that. Don't buy that. Don't believe that teenager in here. Let me tell you something. Don't believe that. Don't pick that one. Instead, pick thanksgiving and gratitude and prayer. Because then what? God steps in. He gets to be the one who transcends all your understanding with this supernatural, powerful peace. I'm just here to tell you today. Don't pick anxiousness. Instead, pick this peace that you can't even make sense of and understand. When all of your school and all your classmates and everyone at the university is going crazy and this world's driving them into the ground through all of the pressure and comparison and all the things that are going, all of a sudden you're over here. You don't even understand how you feel so much peace. Everybody's looking at you like, what's up with you? How do you have so much peace? What do you do? Yoga? Are you, you know, eating some gummies? What is your, no, no, I go to the Lord with Thanksgiving. He transcends my understanding with unbelievable peace in this hour. I don't have to fall into the lies. Teenagers. You don't have to live that way. God's got a plan for your peace. God's got a plan for your freedom. God's got a plan for your, even when you don't understand it, God's got a plan for you. And so it says, go to him. Don't, don't choose that stuff. Don't buy that stuff. Choose to live outside of anxiousness. Romans 5.13 says this. It says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. Then it says, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm so grateful that our God is not made by man. I'm so thankful that it's not put together some bronze and gold erected God that we're supposed to worship that we know is made by man. Instead, we serve a powerful, moving God who can be with us and empower us by his Holy Spirit. Can anybody join me today? I believe, I know I'm getting excited about stuff, but listen, I believe that we are living in a time right now where the scripture said in these last days that there's going to be many seducing spirits, evil spirits that are going to try to put themselves on people and it's going to take them out in these last days. And one of those spirits is this spirit of anxiety, this spirit of fear. Why? Because we're living in the end days and God's called us to be a people who are going to reap the biggest harvest of all time. And if we're too scared to push the plow, if we're too anxious about how it's going to turn out, we'll never see the harvest. So we got to stand up and fight this anxiety, this fear, this pressure. Are you with me today? We might be here a while because I'm barely into my sermon. But this is what Romans says. I want you to hear this. I know I keep talking to teenagers, but teenagers hear this. Teenagers, young people, you, you think like, oh, I just, I just want to, I just want to get to the end of the day. Boy, if I could just make it to the end of the day. Oh, if I could just have one good weekend. You know what God's promises to you in Romans? It's not that you can make it through the weekend or that you can have one day or you can just get through school or get through final hour. God's promises that he's going to give you so much hope and so much peace that you're going to be overflowing with it by the end of the day. The standard is not, oh, just get by. The scripture says that I'm going to, I'm going to do it in such a way that it overflows in your life. 
Oh, if I can just, uh, if I can't wait, it's bedtime. Can I pop a Tylenol PM and get to bed and finally? No, you ought to get to the end of the day overflowing with God's peace and joy. And that's not a judgment on you. I'm not here to put pressure on you. I'm here to say, this is what Romans is saying you can have today. And then here's the amazing part about it. It says, guess who does it for us? It says, God will be the one who fills you. You don't got to earn it. You don't got to work for it. He's already done it on the cross. And by the power of his Holy Spirit, he can and will do it for you. Now, we said at the beginning of this series that we do have a part to play in this. We do have to stand up to these bullies. Anxiety, fear, rejection, dysfunction, some of the things I'm going to be preaching on. We are called to stand up to these bullies. I wish all we needed to stand up to these things was simple. To, hey, anxiety in your life, you know what you need? You just need a good spa day. That's going to do it. Just one good spa day, just all oh, that's going to be gone. Go down there to that, to that wellness co and go see those hippies over there. They'll take good care of you. You're going to feel so good coming out of there. Or if Cody had his way, he'd be like, everybody just come over here. Everyone just needs a hug. It's a hug will do it. A hug will take care of you. Or I wish it was like as easy as reading a good book. Oh, you got some anxiety. Hey, come over here and just read this self-help book and you'll be good and you'll be on your way. But just like we talked about last week, the reality is we are in spiritual warfare, which means we have to fight, which means we have to learn how to stand up to these bullies. But God is saying that I'm with you. I'm empowering you by way of my spirit. You can fight back. So many of us say, well, you know, sister so-and-so over here, boy, sister so-and-so over here, you know, she, she has anxiety. She has anxiety. Brother so-and-so over here, you know, he, he has anxiety. And I'm over here saying, no, you don't. I'm over here saying 2 Timothy 1.7 says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Yeah. That's what you have. Yeah. You have power, love, and you have a sound mind. Yeah. Now, now, now you, have, you, you have the attempt of the enemy to try to put anxiety on you. You, you, you're feeling, you're feeling the, uh, the attempts and you're feeling the effects and you're feeling it trying to present itself on you. But God says what I've given you is a sound mind. Can you receive that today? What you have is a sound mind. Sister so-and-so has anxiety. No, sister so-and-so has a sound mind because God said she does. And I'm not over here to say we don't need to take this stuff serious. I'm not a doctor, obviously. Uh, I, I'm over here just saying, like, I believe God's word is true and we can have what he says we can have, right? But we're also going to take serious the other things. So I got three points for you that's going to kind of help us in this. But I'm also here to say, in, in just one second, we don't say, well, brother, you have a sound mind. Go on your way. No, we get our help. So these next three steps are going to help us get our help. Amen. Yeah. Point number one is this. You have to fight. You have to fight. We're in a spiritual war. I love this passage of Joshua. They never preach this, but the story of Joshua and Joshua 1 is like amazing if you're Joshua. So God comes to Joshua and he goes, hey, every place you set your foot, I've given to you. Joshua's like, this is awesome. Everywhere I set my foot, God has given to me. That's Joshua 1. 1. That's the beginning of it. Now notice it didn't say everywhere that you hope for God's going to give you. No, there was some action that was required. There was a little bit of fight that Joshua had to go out and he had to move and he had to do some things. We got too many Christians just wishing for stuff. Are you with me? But Joshua 1.5, the language gets interesting now if you're Joshua. Hey guys, God, hey Cody, did you hear? God said everywhere we put our feet, God's going to give us this. Well, this is going to be easy. We don't got to stand up to bullies everywhere we put our feet. God's going to give it to us. But he goes on, he says, no one, God goes on and says, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. Joshua's like, this is amazing. 
everywhere we put our foot. No one's going to be able to stand up against us. And he says, as I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. This is amazing. Everywhere we put our foot, God's going to be with us. It says he's never going to leave us or forsake us all the days of our life. No one's going to stand against us. It's going to be amazing. And then God goes, be strong and courageous. And then Joshua's probably like, wait, for what? Strong and courageous. Wait, wait, for what? What does that, what does that mean? Because you said my foot and you'd be with me and that sounded all pretty easy. And then it'd be strong and courageous. And then in verse seven, he says it again. Be strong and be very courageous. And Joshua's like, wait, wait, but my foot and you'd be with me. And you said you were going to like do all these things. And it says, be careful to obey the law of my servant Moses gave that my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Joshua's like, okay, good. We're back to the successful part. Wherever my foot is, God's going to do all this kind of stuff. And it says, keep the book of the law on you always on your lips, meditate on it day and night that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Joshua's like, oh good. All right, we're putting this back on the track. My foot and he's going to be prosperous and God's going to be with you. And then verse eight, have I not commanded you be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be disturbed discouraged for the Lord, your God will be with you wherever you go. God's like, I'm going to give you this. You can have this. You can live a life free of anxiety and depression and fear and the suffocating feeling of these panic attacks and the pressure of this world in comparison. I have that for you. Wherever your foot may go, you can be free of those things, but also be strong and very courageous. Why? For what? Because it's going to be a fight. God said, you can have it. You can have it. But it is going to be a fight. What did God know? What did God know about what Jesus was stepping, or about Joshua was stepping into? He's stepping into, he's stepping into everywhere his foot goes, God's going to give it to him. But he knew that in that he was going to face 13 battles and have to overthrow 31 kings. I'm with you. I'm not forsaking you. You're going to be very prosperous everywhere your foot goes. But along the way, it's going to be a fight. And I'm telling you, in our mental health and in our walk with the Lord, in this spiritual battle, we have to fight. Can I get an amen today? Yeah. The worry that I see about culture is we don't want to fight. No one should fight. Everyone should just get handouts and safe spaces. And so we can't understand why young people are freaking out because they've never had to fight. We said, you get a trophy. We won't keep score. You get a trophy. You get a safe space. You get a handout. Can I tell the truth today? I know I'm, I'm 40 and I'm up here pulling it for the old generation. (laughs) Can I tell you young people, we need to learn how to fight. Fighting is good for us. You're in a spiritual war, whether you choose to believe it or not, you're in a fight. And so you got to learn to fight. And so you can't say, this is my baby. This is anxiety. Now I need a safe space. Now I need to be left alone. Now, now I need a handout. Now you need to take care of me. Instead, we got to say, no, I'm going to fight because God promised he'd be with me and I got kings to overthrow and I got 13 battles to win and God promised he wouldn't leave me. And so I'm going to fight for this. Are you with me? We love the butterfly process. We say, oh, that butterfly process is so amazing. Uh, And and, and the the, the caterpillar comes along. Caterpillar makes that cocoon, gets like all that cocoon put together and gets all in there like, oh, this is going to be great in this cocoon. Like you guys all, you all just turned your heat back on. That was you guys like getting in your bed. This is great. That's the cocoon. That's the caterpillar. He gets in there. He's like, this is, and we all think he gets in that cocoon and that's like a great thing. And, and he's in there and God's transforming him and his wings are just magically coming together. And he's going to just one day just bust out of there and he's going to be able to fly. But the cocoon process is a fight. It's dark. It's unfamiliar. 
And so the caterpillar gets in there. And he's like, God said that everywhere I put my 55 feet or however many he has, he's going to give me that. And he gets in there and it's dark and it's crazy. And then the process of the cocoon is that caterpillar has to learn to fight. If it wants to make it out in the world, this thing begins to come on it. And as its wings are developed, there's like an oil, there's like a liquid, and it's very irritable to the caterpillar. And so he begins to shimmy and shift and fight and rub up against the cocoon. And he's very irritated, but it develops a strength in it. And it begins to develop what it needs for when that cocoon finally breaks open, it can fly and be what it's called to be. The worst thing you could do to a caterpillar in a cocoon is say, hey, buddy, uh, let's have no fight. Let me just break that open for you and we'll get you out of there. It wouldn't be prepared for the battle that God's called it to. How many of you know what I'm talking about? We got to be a people who say, God, I know your promises and I know it's not going to be easy, but I'm going to trust you because by the time I come out of this I'm going to be strong and able am I just preaching to myself today so we keep fighting we keep fighting we stand up to this bully of anxiety we stand up to this because God has great plans for us I said last week we don't fight in our own strength we fight in his mighty strength we serve a mighty God as we preached a couple weeks ago Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10 says finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power this passage says this like hey it's not hey be strong do better. It's like when someone tells you, get over it. That's not what it is. It's like, hey, hey, be strong. You got this. I know that you can do this. You can be strong in the power of the Lord. You can be this. I said it this way last week. Strong in the Lord isn't God giving you strength. Strong in the Lord is God becoming your strength. It's saying, hey, wait a minute. I got some strength I didn't know about. Anxiety doesn't belong in my head. These bullies don't belong here. I'm, I'm, I'm packing a little extra heat over here. I got, I got God's strength that I'm dealing with. I may not know how to figure it out in, in school and it's driving me crazy and all this kind of stuff, but I'm going to remember, guess what? I got some extra strength that I can depend and count on. Amen. I'm a church kid. And so I grew up going to church camps and church retreats. And, um, you know, you go to those and you're there for like a week or a weekend or whatever. And I never really got in many fights in my life, and um, pr- probably three. One was at church camp, and two of them were at Disney World. True story. Ask Jess. <laughs> one was on our anniversary trip, and another one was with all the kids. We're rushing in to go see the fireworks, and I'm fighting with people at the Magic Band line. Three fights my whole life. One of them's at church camp. I'm going to tell you about it. Uh, my buddy, who's like, who's like huge now, he's a bodybuilder. Uh, and so later in life, he's like a bodybuilder. But this time, he wasn't. We're junior hires, and he's real small, and um, not going to call him a nerd, but kind of. And uh, he did Science Olympiad and, like, won all these things and um, just, just really couldn't stand on his own two feet for much. And, uh, again, I'm not a big fighter, but uh, we're at this youth camp, and we had, like, cabin responsibilities. And you had to make sure you swept this and put this back away and did these different things. And there was this guy named Lonnie who kept picking on my buddy Joe. And so for a couple of days, you know, he's like kind of bossing around and being rude to him. And it started to affect my buddy, Joe. So we're trying to do all the hangouts at camp. We're trying to do all of the different activities. But my buddy was like super down about it all. Well, now it's getting on my nerves that this Lonnie guy is taking the fun out of Joe because now it's taking the fun out of my retreat. And so chores come around and he's got this broom and he's supposed to sweep. And now he's bullying my buddy, Joe you're going to sweep my part and blah, 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 and had some reason for why he was going to do it. And I had had enough and pastor's kid, right? I'm a church kid and dad's elder, all this kind of stuff. I took that broom like a hockey stick and I went up to Lonnie and I shoved him up against the back of the bunk bed. And I was like, you're going to clean it all. And he was like, okay. 
and then my buddy, Joe, for the rest of the time, because somebody handled his business for him in their strength. Every time my buddy Joe walked around, he was like this, like, what's up, what's up, Lonnie? He's like, my God, oh my God, it's good. There was like this confidence in strength from another place. And I'm saying we ought to be in the same thing. We get to fight this spiritual battle in his strength, not our own strength. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And so when you sit there in that dark place and you go, I don't think I can get out of this anxiety. I don't think I got it in me to get out of this place. You say, guess what? I'm not the one who has to get me out of this place. Are you with me? I can depend and count on somebody else's strength. Point number two is you can't hide in your anxiety can't hide in your anxiety. I wrote it down like this. We pursue the plans of God with the people of God. You're not meant to do it alone. You're not meant to just say, this is my battle. This is my journey. This is my baby. No, you got to say to somebody, Hey, guess what? I need you. The people of God pursue the plans of God together. You need to let people in your life who can fight with you. You know what church is? You know what this church is? This church is a hospital, not a courtroom. We're not here to judge you. We're here to journey with you. And so if you're struggling and if you're uh, faced with debilitating anxiety, that means it affects us. We're the body. And so we got to work together in getting you into your freedom. Ecclesiastes 4.9. This is like the marriage passage, but it applies to more than that. It says two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. Then it says, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Pity anyone who has suicidal thoughts and no one to help them up. Pity for someone to be in this crippling place of anxiety and fear and panic, and they have nobody that they can reach out to to help them out? That's not the way to live is what the scripture, scripture is telling us. People say this to me all the time. No, pastor, this is, this is my struggle. This is my journey. I'm, just, I'm alone in my thoughts here. I need to get this figured out. It's, just a, it's a mind game here that I got. It's not a mind game. And if you think that you're alone in your thoughts and that's how you're going to overcome, can I tell you you're greatly deceived? Because you're actually not alone in your thoughts. You're just alone with the accuser in your thoughts. And you're never going to find the health and the transformation and the wholeness that you need when you try to do it by yourself. Can I get an amen today? I heard it. It's like a person, a person who says, I'm, I'm going to just fix this on my own. I'm going to handle anxiety on my own. It's like a person who's in a deep hole with a shovel. And they're all by themselves and they say, wow, this hole's really deep. I should start digging faster. You're just digging deeper. You got to be able to reach out to somebody and say, hey, will you pray with me? Will you come over and worship with me? Can I be honest with you in a small group? Can I tell you what's going on? I need somebody that can get me out of this hole. Are you with me today? And so you can't do it alone. We pursue the plans of God with the people of God. The trouble is a lot of people will run to other sources. They won't go to the church. They won't go to God's word. They go to other people. And instead of getting God's solutions, they get vices. They get substitutes for what God really wants to do. My last point is this. Point number three is this. God wants to take your anxiety. I'll close with this. Someone can come play. God wants to take your anxiety. It's amazing to me. I'm going to read you a lot of scripture here, or a few scripture here in a minute. It's amazing to me. If I said to this room, I said, hey, do you believe that God came and died on the cross for your sins? 
And that if you acknowledge him as your Lord and Savior on your way to heaven, people are like, yeah, I do. I feel secure in that. But then when I read scriptures that talk about how God wants to take your anxiety, scripture says, cast your cares on me. Cast your cares. Give me your anxiety. When I say, hey, do you believe God wants to do that for you? Some people say, I don't know. Not for me. I don't know for me. If you believe one, you got to believe the other. Uh, I wrote it down this way. First uh, Peter 5, 7 says that cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. God cares that you're suffering in anxiety. God cares that anxiety affects you, but we have to cast our cares on him. When your chest gets tight and the room starts spinning and, and you can't take that deep breath and you're feeling that panic attack, that overwhelming anxiety is coming on you. I want you to know something. God cares about that moment. And he cares so much that he's like, hey, will you, will you give that to me in this moment? I don't want you to live like that. I don't want you to have to deal with that. He says, he says give me that. Uh, I love Isaiah 35, 4 in the amplified version. I didn't give it to the team for the screens, but it says this. Say to those with an anxious and panic-stricken heart, be strong, fear not. Indeed, your God will come with vengeance. How many of you know somebody coming with vengeance is pretty serious about coming to your rescue? God, here comes that anxiety. Here it comes again. Here comes that panic attack. Oh, guess what? God wants to come with vengeance and take that from you. It says the retribution of God will come and he will save you. I love how God designed everything perfectly. If we wanted to look at how this microphone should work in perfect order, the best thing to do would be to go to its creator. The creator would say, well, I made it to be able to do this and do that and all this. It would tell you specifically about the best function of this microphone because it's its creator. Well, it's the same thing with God. In Genesis, God was our creator and he put us together. The scripture says we're fearfully and wonderfully made. Basically everything that we do is in God's order. So when the scripture says in Genesis that God put his breath in you, that has purpose. And you say, well, of course, because if I didn't have breath, I would be dead. It's more than that. God breathed his breath into your body. So when you breathe, when you're breathing, God's breath is breathed into you. Now, on top of that, he made our nervous system comprised of two parts that function with oxygen, they, they literally have a purpose. Our breathing has a purpose. When it comes to our nervous system, you have two kinds of sides of this nervous system. You have the sympathetic side of your nervous system. The, sympath the sympathetic side of it, of your nervous system is fight or flight. It's the panic side of it. It's, uh oh, I'm in danger. If everybody's, anyone's ever come up and spooked you, you know, you got scared, then your heart beats and your, your breath is, it's because that side of it said, uh oh, danger. I recognize danger here. That's what's happening with that side of it. The other side of it is the parasympathetic system. And that side of it is the calming side of it, the calming side of it, uh, which, is, which is actually funny. It restores and it brings about calm to your nervous system. It actually helps you digest. So literally, if you've ever ran to the buffet, you might have kicked in that first part of it, fight or flight. There's not enough food here. I'm going to get a bunch of it. And you eat a ton of it. And then when you get back home, you go, oh, the other side is kicking in. It's bringing you down. It's bringing you back down. But listen, both of these systems, the first one, that sympathetic reaction, when you're having a panic attack, when you're having an anxiety fit, you, you, you start going, 
I can't breathe. My chest is tightening. Uh, your, 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 your nervous system is thinking you're having a stroke, a heart attack, or drowning. And now the smart people, the university people, the psychologist people, they came up with this idea. Here's what helps that. It's called box breathing. They think they invented it. But God back in Genesis said, hey, I know your nervous system. I know when you start freaking out, what you should do, they call it box breathing. God says, why don't you breathe my breath that I put in you? Why don't you take some time and use that breathing that I gave you? And I know you're sitting here being like, just preach the word, pastor. Don't be a psychologist. No, no. God created you on purpose with a design. And it's good for us to know these things. And so I know the smart people call it square or box breathing. But what it actually is, is it's breathing that breath that God put in you. And so here's how it works. Anytime I'm giving you practical help, you feel that anxiety coming. We're going to do a natural thing and then we're going to put a, a spiritual thing on top of it. But here's what they say. Step one of this three step breathing is you breathe in slowly for four seconds. So you hold it four more seconds. Then you breathe out. You start changing that nervous system. Here comes that thing. Huh? teenager comparison just all of a sudden comes out of nowhere to attack you and you go oh i'm not good enough i don't live up and comparison comes at you and you go hold on a second god put his breath inside me and my body can function the way god designed it to function parent comparison of being a parent comes at you Oh my gosh, am I messing up my kids? What kind of life are we giving them? What kind of thing are we raising? And here comes anxiety. And you go, hold on a second. God, I'm going to breathe that, that breath you gave me, that you put on the inside of me. And you created my nervous system in a way that I don't have to fall to this. Breathe it back out. Your marriage, oh my God, our marriage is falling apart. And here comes anxiety. And the spirit of anxiety is trying to get on your home and in your house. And you go, no, 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 wait a second. God says, I have a sound mind. I'm not an anxious person. I'm a sound mind person. I'm going to breathe that. I'm going to let my nervous system do what it's supposed to do. And in those moments, you think to yourself, I don't have anxiety. I'm just experiencing anxiety. Stop saying you have anxiety. We are experiencing anxiety. But what we actually have is a sound mind. I have the experience of anxiety, but it's not who I am. And so we begin to tell ourselves while we're breathing, hey, wait a minute. God said, if I cast this on him, he cares and he'll rush in and he'll take this from me. And so I understand that anxiety is just a feeling right now. And God can meet me where I'm at. Am I telling the truth today? And you begin to tell yourself, I'm a child of God. I'm not a person who's bound and stuck and held back by anxiety. Instead, I'm a, chi I'm a child of God and my father reigns above it all. So all these anxious feelings and all these things that are trying to attack me, all these things, I understand that he reigns above them all. Everything we just sang right now in this moment, anxiety. And it makes me want to contemplate ending my life. And it makes me want to do these things. I can go, whoa, whoa, hold on a second. We just sang that song that said, no, no, spirit, and right now move. You're resurrecting me out of this moment. Yeah. And you say, I'm a new creation in Christ. You take another breath. Because the scripture says that God watches over his word to perform it.
And so if God promised you that in your anxiety, you can give it to him and he cares, then in that moment, you just take those breaths and you say, God, you put your breath in me and you design me that I don't have to live in this anxiety and you your word, you're watching over to perform. Take this anxiety because you care. It's not like a magic snap, wave the wand. It's a trust that we have to have in him. But if God promises it, I believe we can have it. God, I don't have to live in this anxiety. God, this isn't going to happen to me right now. I'm feeling anxiousness, but it's not who I am. God, I know your word says you have great plans for me. Matthew 11, 28 says this, come to me. All of you. No, it's not everybody. It's just the people who do their devotions and go to church all the time and got pastor appreciation gift and those people. He said, all of you. No, pastor, I've messed up too much. My family's crazy. We got a whole history of stuff. And pastor, that ain't for me. No, Matthew 11, 28 says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. It's all of us. It's all of us. You all qualify and you qualify for it right here in this moment. There's no one sermon that's going to fix your anxiety in a minute. But then I also preach to you. I believe in one moment, God can change everything for you. Let's believe that he can do it right now, right here in this moment, watching online or in the room. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. If you're here and you have felt the pressure and the bully of anxiety, which I believe is a spiritual attack on you, If you have been dealing with those thoughts of suicide and depression, I'm believing right now here when we pray, God can change that for you, can set you free. I believe that everything he did on the cross matters today. Do you know on the cross, in his infinite wisdom, God knew that this time and this hour would face such anxiety attacks. And in that moment on that cross, as he shed perfect blood. He shed that perfect blood because it's powerful enough to break anxiety off your life, to break the grips of panic attack and fear. His power in his blood is strong enough. So if you're in here and you say, Pastor, that's me, I'm asking you to raise your hand or come forward. I'm just asking you right now in the moment that you're in, I want you to, to just Use your faith to say, God, I believe today you can do this. You can break this off me. If you're here and you used to struggle with anxiety, you used to have panic attacks, you used to be tormented in that way that anxiety would rule in your life. I want you to be interceding now for those who may be struggling. Just use your faith. God gave us the power to intercede and pray and believe on behalf of other people. So if you've been set free from that, use that testimony in your prayer right now as we pray for people. You might be watching online thinking, I'm not in that service. I'm not in that prayer room. I believe right now where you are, God, as you hear these words, not only can, but will help you. Are you weary? Are you burdened? God says, you know what I have for you? Rest. I have rest for you. Rest from the attacks of spiritual warfare in the realm of anxiety. Let me pray for you. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful that we're not meant to do this alone. God, you said that it's better that you go because you send the helper, the Holy Spirit, who I know is here in this room moving among every person. 
God, I pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you break the connections, you break the chains of anxiety. Or specifically, we pray for young people, this young generation that we mentioned. God, I pray that you ruin the work of the enemy on this young generation. God, I pray that you give them the boldness to fight, to break out and be who you've called them to be. God, I pray that anyone who begins to feel the panic attacks and the pressure of anxiety, God, I pray that you remind them of your words, that you wanna take that anxiety because you care for them, that you run to them in those moments and that you promise us rest. I thank you for it in Jesus' name, amen.